Okay, so welcome everybody to the next episode of The Value Prop brought to you by the Pacific Basin Economic Council. And I'm delighted to be welcoming one of our newest members for PBEC, Rob Davenport. So Rob Davenport is uh, the founder of Take Lifestyle and Take Foundation, which you'll talk to us a little bit more about in a moment. But before I do, um, I just want to mention that you can find us both here on Spotify, on our website, and many other channels, including the Apple Podcasts, to listen to all of our episodes that we uh, regularly upload uh, each month. So don't be afraid to recommend this to your friends and colleagues. And so welcome, Rob, to our latest episode. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Mike, and, and thank you so much for the introduction. Uh, it's a pleasure to be uh, here today on uh, this podcast. Uh, so let me introduce myself. Uh, my name is Rob Davenport, and I'm the founder of the Tarkade Group, uh, essentially a purpose-based um, bamboo movement, uh, empowering change through uh, bamboo. So essentially what we did um, uh, since I moved to Hong Kong around three years ago, uh, bamboo is a very uh, deep-rooted um, uh, material in, in Asian culture, a symbol of strength, prosperity, wealth. Uh, and what we wanted to do is, is make an ecosystem using this revolutionary material um, for two things. Uh, one, to essentially help us uh, strive towards carbon neutrality. So what we're doing with the Take Foundation is we're using bamboo as a carbon sink uh, to absorb CO2, uh, release oxygen and create local jobs. Uh, within Hong Kong and spanning further afield soon, uh, specifically prioritizing disadvantaged groups. So we're working with NGOs and people with disabilities and the elderly community uh, to enable Bamboo to teach them new skills, empower themselves, and essentially all work together for uh, as a force for good. Uh, and then on the other side, we have a, a Take Lifestyle. So the Take Lifestyle, we're producing products uh, from the Bamboo, uh, and we actually made a new material now uh, that biodegrades faster uh, than other things on the market. Uh, and we can use this material as an alternative to single use plastic. Um, so what we've done is create an ecosystem that's self-sustaining. Uh, it helps uh, towards the, the um, one and a half degrees by 2050 carbon neutrality. Um, and also removing plastic from the sea and using this bamboo as a great alternative uh, to, uh, to other things on the market. That's fantastic, Rob. And um, obviously, I've looked at your website and, you know, I've looked at seeing your products, like the, sort of what I like to call them the tebinyaki boxes, the, the sort of lunch sets that you've done, which are biodegradable, fantastic quality. Um, but obviously, being both based in Hong Kong, it, it, I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't to ask you how you've been coping as a business, especially as a startup, if you like. Um, in 2022, it feels like this year we've been a bit of uh, in a bit of a frozen mode in certain sectors just because of the pandemic restrictions that were imposed from the majority of Q1. And so I was just wondering, you know, from your own strategic plans that you had in place at the end of last year, how that have been progressing um, and obviously looking ahead now as in the next few days, those same restrictions are being uh, withdrawn. Um, so interested to hear 
your thoughts of how you as a leader are tackling some of those issues? Very, very good question. Um, so I think in, in, in times of crisis, there's always opportunity. And, and one thing that we've noticed with the fifth wave uh, in Hong Kong is, um, you know, essentially how we can be agile and dynamic. So um, as uh, we as, as a responsible employer, you know, we, we let a lot of our, our team work at home uh, where they could do so. So using uh, technology and Zoom uh, and, and kind of, you know, collaboration tools essentially to enable us um, to propel ourselves forward. Uh, we've got a lot of things that are going on with the foundation and with our consumer products. So using technology essentially to try and bridge the gap as much as possible. But I'm sure as, as everyone uh, who's listening to this podcast has been affected through COVID and, and the waves in, in more ways than one, uh, essentially you can anticipate and predict and, and use specific things. But unfortunately, you know, we just have to make the best of the situation that we're in. Um, one actual thing for us with the foundation. So we have four sites that we've already acquired and we actually got a little bit delayed on planting the bamboo. Uh, essentially, it wouldn't have been responsible for us to have people in the fields and, you know, to maintain the government's imposed social distancing rules. Uh, unfortunately, our bamboo has been delayed in, in going um, into the sites that we've acquired um, but looking forward to now from from this thursday and potentially as a phase two and the phase three um, as hong kong starts opening up again uh, we can re-energize uh, our efforts uh, and using bamboo as a force for good uh, and essentially take up the slack you know put extra resources uh, into place uh, build new partnerships with different stakeholders uh, to enable us to do uh, the original things as part of our roadmap and, and using you know bamboo and planting these large-scale bamboo fields on in hong kong um, uh, as quickly and as safely as possible um, another thing that actually was delayed so we're in the process uh Take, essentially uh, we look at ourselves as a bamboo solutions provider so what we're doing is vertically integrating our supply chain uh, we use uh, japanese designers to design the product um, and what we're doing, Mike, is essentially building this ecosystem of, you know, designing the product ourselves uh, for specific markets and customers, um, growing the bamboo, and then we produce it ourselves in the local market. So Hong Kong's a kind of pioneering stomping ground, so to speak. Uh, so we're building a new factory locally in Hong Kong uh, that will use our new patented, more biodegradable material. Um, and actually, one of the, the areas we've been looking for the factory was around Kwai Chung, which was very heavily um, affected uh, in the fifth wave. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the area was locked down. So uh, now I'm uh, very pleased to say um, that we're almost um, there with the new factory. We're anticipating now opening sort of end of June, July. Uh, and again, I think using social collaboration uh, and, and, you know, maintaining relationships through the mediums that we're able to uh, and using technology, you know, even though we have had a delay, uh, maintaining, you know, the different stakeholders and customers that were placing orders, you know, everyone's in the same situation. Um, so very much looking forward to uh, to have our factory open and uh, essentially do more podcasts with you um, when uh, when that has taken place. But I think it's it's just about uh, transparency. You know, we, everyone's in the same situation, uh, whatever the stakeholder is, be it a supplier, a customer, employees, team members, friends, acquaintances, colleagues. I think it's just maintaining that clear channel of communication. <laughs> 
uh, being transparent with people and saying what you can do when and what you can't do when. And, you know, essentially not over promising. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone's in this journey together and, and, and collaboration and partnerships uh, essentially, you know, kind of group together and uh, collaborate as a force for good and, and strive forwards uh, together. So, Rob, where are you seeing, I guess, the early wins for you with your product so far? And in terms of talking to potential new customers and probably new suppliers of your eco-friendly products, um, what are the sort of the uncovering new opportunities that perhaps that you didn't foresee when you first started the company? Sure. Um, so our original uh, product lines are essentially uh, predominantly in serving and dining. Uh, so producing cups, bowls, plates uh, as an alternative to single use plastic. Um, and now actually we're very lucky with our new material, uh, which uses a slightly different uh, manufacturing technique. So it uses injection molding um, through various conversations and uh, I think brainstorming with my team and, and you know, repurposing the company as a bamboo based uh, kind of solutions provider. Um, one vertical that we've identified as, as having a, uh, an impact, you know, as a purpose led brand, essentially, um, even though we have a for profit and a foundation, one of our KPIs is, you know, making a difference and enabling people to make small changes, lots of small changes add up to a big difference together. Uh, so through these brainstorming sessions, uh, one area that we've seen uh, that we can actually uh, provide some of our solutions to is consumer electronics um, uh, and also uh, children's toys. Uh, so using um, this new proprietary material that lets use children's uh, kind of serving and dining wear as an example um, or, or toys, you know, single use plastic um, uh, essentially. Uh, things that when they have a short life cycle, uh, so, uh, you know, kids get um, bored after a certain amount of time or the, or the toys aren't applicable, uh, that they get thrown away. Um, so if we can move into this market in, in a product that has a shorter lifespan than others and, you know, it gets discarded after a, a quicker period of time, um, by moving into that space, uh, one, we open up a, a huge market for the, for the company. Uh, which adds a lot of value to the business. And essentially then uh, through some strategic license opportunities. So uh, we have a couple of license uh, deals under our belt already, uh, which will be announced uh, publicly over the next few weeks. Uh, so using, you know, well-known kids characters to springboard the brand, essentially we have, you know, a, a double uh, a double win there. We have something that kids know uh, know well, uh, that has the advertising behind it. And we use our new material that biodegrades faster um, to do a collaboration uh, as a force for good. Um, with consumer electronics, uh, essentially we're looking at various different accessories and you know other kinds of products that might have a specific life cycle. For example, a mobile phone case, uh, new iPhones are released every, uh, every so often. And as a new phone is released, then essentially that case uh, would then get discarded and thrown away. Um, so we're looking at applications like this, and we have some conversations going on with the leading brands uh, and the accessories providers to essentially license out our patented material uh, and use it as an application using a phone case as an example, um, where it delivers huge volume, uh, very good value for all, all the stakeholders within the business and very quick impact. Um, so for us, this kind of win-win-win 
where we can license out our kind of research and, and material and, you know, produce on an OEM basis using a kind of Take recyclable uh, natural plastic. Uh, these kind of collaborations for us, uh, you know, it, it has a, a very big impact. Um, and, and these are the kind of things that we're aspiring to do. So, Rob, um, just moving on now to, you know, some of the things that we do with this podcast in particular is work with some of the investment authorities around the region who are trying to attract, you know, um, SMEs and corporations uh, such as yourselves. And I was just wondering, you know, from a Hong Kong, again, perspective, since that's where you decided to set up your base, has the government or agencies like Invest Hong Kong been supportive, especially through this COVID period um, in supporting your product and uh, entrepreneurs like yourself? And would you recommend uh, Hong Kong as a destination still for investing, given all of the, you know, maybe the, the not so positive focus on Hong Kong in the, in the last couple of years? That's a very good question. Um, so I've been traveling in and out of, of Hong Kong for the last eight years, um, sourcing various different products, uh, specifically kitchen products. I have a very big interest in food before I founded Take uh, a couple of years ago. Um, now, I actually class Hong Kong as home. I shipped out all of my possessions and clothes and furniture from the UK to Hong Kong. So I actually treat here as uh, here as home. Um, and actually, um, specifically uh, with, with Invest Hong Kong, you know, they helped uh, me in the early stages um, uh, for my entrepreneur visa. So, you know, a big supporter on, on Stanley and the consumer products team over there and what they do for the Hong Kong community. Um, one thing I find specifically from my own journey in this space is Hong Kong is a very good place to do business. Um, we have a lot of freedom. Um, and, and there is the support there uh, with the various kind of uh, government agencies or 50-50 government kind of private agencies. So naming some Invest Hong Kong, uh, the Hong Kong Productivity Council. Uh, we have um, the HKTDC, uh, so the Hong Kong Trade Development Council. Uh, and also, of course, the various incubators uh, such as uh, Cyberport as well. Um, one thing that I found, um, so a little bit of feedback um, that would streamline and essentially make a, a business or an SME uh, as a new brand or an existing brand entering the Hong Kong region or the Greater Bay Area is potentially um, there's a lot of uh, um, uh, kind of different agencies. So we need to maintain a relationship with each one. Everyone has their own policies. Um, everyone has their own ways. So for us, that's quite a lot of admin time on maintaining a relationship with Invest Hong Kong and HKTDC, the Productivity Council, you know, taking advantage of the various government subsidies. So we have the EMF, the BUD, the Technology Voucher Program. Uh, actually, our factory, we're looking at the reindustrialization um, where we can, you know, essentially build a smart factory that uses IoT, it uses AI, it uses automation through robots. Um, so all of these things are very admin heavy, uh, which is, a, you know, a small business, essentially what you want to be doing. And, and even more so with Take as a purpose-led brand, we want to be making a difference fast. We don't want to be getting tied down with admin. So I think a, a little bit of feedback from my own journey is potentially still having these, these units, but more of an account manager where I can sit down with someone, they can understand my business, they understand what we want to achieve, and they then liaise with the different government departments. Um, it's a little bit more tricky, you know, I, I, we, as a Guaylo, 
you know, potentially, yes, you know, we have a local team here, but it's it's always good to have someone that can really sit down and understand what you want to achieve. You know, for us, we're, we're planting prosperity in Hong Kong with our foundation. We're creating local jobs in Hong Kong with the factory that we're building, and not many people are doing that. So if we can spend more time actually working on the goals and creating an impact here as a force for good, um, I'm very excited potentially, you know, if uh, with John Lee and, and potentially a new team and, you know, a, a new um, kind of governance on, you know, creating a new chapter for Hong Kong and spending more time on how we can work together and, and do that force for good mm. uh, rather than getting bogged down with admin. That's a good point, Rob. I mean, we, we had a meeting, obviously going off topic a little bit here with PBEC senior board members last month in March and uh, we spoke with Anna Lin who's of GS1 Hong Kong which is an NGO that does uh, the barcode uh, standardization for goods in in the region as well Um, and we had you know uh, some of our other senior guys and it was interesting one of the I guess recommendations that came from that was when comparing other I guess, competitive regions, you know, and I can name as in like Singapore during this period have been very competitive in trying to attract and take advantage, um, is that they have an agency that in some regards was described as putting out the red carpet to investors where it's, they are the single point of contact in, in some ways. So then, as you mentioned, do a lot of the legwork on your behalf to coordinate between the various departments then I think that's something that was identified as lacking in Hong Kong was that there are the different agencies that are doing a commendable work, but there's a lack of coordination between them. And you have to sort of, as a, a, a paying customer, if you like, have to put your own resources to um, speak to the various different departments in order to get what you want, especially in the area that you're dealing with in terms of licensing uh, products placement, um, safety issues, uh, anything else like that, you know, in terms of them finding land to grow the product and to build the factory, smart, intelligent, um, all of the above. It's, it's a great feedback because I think you can only get better uh, and stay competitive. And, you know, the ambition, I think, for everybody in Hong Kong is to retain its international financial center and international status, if you like, as access to China and to the region. So it's good to get feedback. So thank you, Rob, for those honest comments, which uh, sort of cement some of the stuff that we've been talking about in uh, PBEC to put forward in our annual recommendations to the regional governments and stuff. So um, thanks for that. And then moving on very quickly to, um, you know, personally, I mean, just to get to know you better and our listeners, listeners to understand where your motivation comes from. Obviously, you're passionate about your food as well. And uh, I saw an article recently in the South China Morning Post um, that you're a traditional pie and mash guy. I guess that's uh, the northern blood in you. Um, but you revealed some of your favorite places to eat Chinese comfort food and satisfy your, your sweet tooth. So I, I'm guessing some of our listeners out there are probably avid foodies as well, like myself. So I'm ke- keen to hear of one or two of your favorite places that you uncovered despite this COVID restrictions period. Are you willing to share sure. one or two? <laughs> Definitely. Um, just to, uh, to tantalize our, our listeners' taste buds. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been interested in uh, cooking and food for a long time. And um, 
uh, Hong Kong were very, very lucky and, and, and fortunate to have such a vibrant F&B scene uh, and many talented chefs and restaurateurs, uh, independents and chains alike that are doing a lot of good things in Hong Kong with food uh, and, and very looking forward to being able to eat after six o'clock. I think this uh, latest wave has changed all of our habits, uh, working and eating and exercising alike. Um, so for me, um, I have a broad spectrum of, uh, uh, of foodie likes. Uh, I have a very sweet tooth. Um, so a very good uh, local spot that I enjoy is Lotus Garden in Happy Valley. Uh, so you can get the traditional uh, almond sweet soup, the Han Yan Chao. Um, I'm raising to the, the sesame Jima uh, Tong Yun as well. Um, very, very reasonable, uh, highly recommended, and, and they've been there forever. Um, I'm also a big fan of teppanyaki, so I like Nardaman in the island Shangri-La. Um, uh, if if uh, you're a curry fan, Chats is also very good in the Rosewood. They recently got their, uh, their first star. Um, and actually nice. recently tried uh, Octavium uh, on Devoe Road uh, for their tasting menu um, a few weeks ago for lunch. Uh, very, very, uh, very delicious. Um, if anyone's into Taiwanese comfort food out there, uh, there's a very good place called Pun's Food in Causeway Bay, um, opposite the Leica store. Um, so, yeah, for me, uh, also the Rainbow Restaurants, I'm an avid seafood fan, so Rainbow <laughs> Restaurants in Lama. Uh, if anyone uh, wants some of the, the freshest seafood in Hong Kong, actually, they have their own fish farm. Uh, so very... Uh, uh, important uh, kind of place. I like to go to uh, establishments that are very conscious about the ingredients that they're sourcing and um, that have that traceability. And that's exactly what we're trying to build into Tarke to have that, you know, transparency. Uh, so rainbow restaurants with locally produced uh, and sourced uh, seafood is another favorite of mine. Fantastic. Well, I mean, it kind of makes me think we should have more of our members sharing their their best foodie examples and uh, recommendations just in our even if it's in our monthly e-digest it sounds very useful i mean for myself in particular that's people sort of looking to rediscover um new places to to go out and eat and especially those that are more sustainably conscious uh, is all, all all the best for that as well so uh, to sort of move into sort of the I guess the summary and, and towards the end of this podcast, I, I would be not, I'd be doing an injustice if I didn't talk a little bit about uh, APEC this year. Uh, and the reason why is obviously APEC is chaired by Thailand. And this year it, they announced at the very beginning that they are proposing a biocircular green economy model, which is to be uh, hopefully adopted and endorsed by other APEC member states as it aims to use natural assets more efficiently with as least impact on the environment as possible, which obviously PBEC and members like Take fully endorse. So the BCG applies a whole society approach where the government, private sector, academia and society collectively implement this principle, eventually putting Thailand back on track to building back a healthier, greener, greener and more inclusive economy as the pandemic subsides. So, I guess my question to you is, um, is Thailand, first of all, featuring in your strategic goal as a future market to enter and be competitive with your products and services? And um, this sounds like a government policy that aligns quite closely with your own philosophy 
Rob, and I hope that other PBEC members seek to adopt uh, in the years ahead to address carbon neutrality goals and tackle climate change. So anything you wish to sort of comment on around that policy by Thailand and uh, when it comes to corporations that you're speaking to day in, day out uh, in terms of their own responsibility towards society as a whole and mitigating climate change with all the neutrality targets coming up. Um, any comment on that? That's a very good question. Um, so for us, uh, a kind of a market like Thailand is very uh, interesting and appealing with a hyper-local vertically integrated manufacturing um, kind of ethos that we have. So having just over 69 million people, and that's a very big market for us, uh, and a landmass of over 500,000 square kilometers, essentially this, you know, um, is very appealing with uh, a kind of purpose-based uh, brand like ourselves. So a, a government for us that's very uh, interested in regeneration and open to new collaborations and essentially, you know, looking for solutions, as we're all aware, uh, you know, uh, ESG and, and carbon neutrality isn't anything new. Um, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are aware of the problem, um, but there, there's two things, not many solutions, uh, which is why we want a, a kind of, you know, Take bamboo credits, which will come on uh, to more uh, shortly. Um, but essentially to, you know, find solutions. How how can people collaborate? What can be done uh, instead of just talking about the problem? So for me, you know, the, the Thailand government being open to this change, uh, essentially, you know, chairing um, something, uh, you know, like APEC and hosting this, it, it's, it's, it's a government that we should be talking to and, you know, potentially seeing what collaborations we can do, uh, looking at the community, uh, the same with Hong Kong being a finance community, actually, one thing we're using with, with our foundation is, is looking how we can weave technology to make a gold standard carbon credit locally in Hong Kong. Um, so we're in the process of building, building a new app. Uh, and blockchain uh, or blockchaining all of the or minting all of the bamboos that we plant. So essentially what we can do then is weave Take into society um, to enable people to have a solution that they can use as an official carbon offset. Um, so uh, as, as Thailand chairing APEC, you know, uh, actually I was invited to uh, the UN SCOP uh, or SCAP that's happening in August uh, to potentially meet some, uh, you know, key people. Um, that hopefully we can have good conversations and make change happen together. Um, so for us, anyone that's pro-regeneration uh, aligned with our own key pillars on education, uh, you know, weaving sustainability and environmentalism into society. Uh, and I think, you know, 69 million people for us with Take, we, we're all about how people can make small changes. And if we get a, the changes of 69 million people, you know, that's for us is a real force for good and enabling, you know, people to strive forwards and, and you know, hats off to, to Thailand, you know, essentially for setting the precedence uh, for the rest of APEC, or APEC, essentially on how to do it and what a solution looks like and, you know, really being a role model of, of you know, uh, how how to do something and how to make change happen. And as we know, when when um, when you know one person does it and does it right, then the rest will follow. There's a little bit of market adaptation uh, required, and and you know kind of regional and local differences. Uh, and that's one thing that we found in designing our products. Actually, is you know designing a product vertically integrating from the ground up and designing a product for what the local market wants. Um, you know is essentially. 
uh, the basic marketing principles uh, a customer needs and wants. So if we can we sustainability on, on what the market wants and, you know, what changes people can make and, and what can be done. For example, you know, having such a big landmass and us being able to plant bamboo there and, and offset, you know, potentially uh, a, a lot of CO2 emissions. Uh, for me, that's, you know, the, the kind of... Um, uh, the kind of government and the kind of decision makers that we want to be working with and, you know, see how we can make change happen together uh, as a force for good and strive forward together across APEC. Thanks, Rob. I mean, what I would just do to finish then is looking ahead, uh, obviously having got through the worst of, we hope, of the COVID pandemic now together. Um, where do you see Take in the next two to three years? Where would you like it to be? What's your ambition for the purpose-built brand? It's a very, very good question and a very good question to finish our, our podcast with today, Mike. Um, so for me, uh, we have very big plans for Take. Uh, we see ourselves uh, essentially as a, a global uh, purpose-led uh, bamboo solutions company. Um, so we have a few very exciting things that have been going on, um, essentially where we want to plant prosperity and foster uh, local markets. So using Thailand as an example, we would want to plant the bamboo, um, plant the prosperity there, offset their local carbon emissions, build a factory, create local jobs for that local market. So not moving products around for the sake of it, um, like a lot of you know the consumerism uh, kind of business model. So for us, uh, I want to build Take into a global brand. Uh, we have uh, a lot of things going on. We, we just recently restructured. Uh, we have a very good advisory board that we're putting together, um, building long-term partnerships with key stakeholders, be it um, supermarket chains, brands, collaborations, um, policymakers, you know, uh, using the PBEC community is a very good example. Since joining PBEC, you know, your hard work and effort has, you know, introduced us to, to people that we can collaborate with and make change happen together. Um, so for me, if we can plant bamboo in as many countries as possible, offset as much CO2 as we can, create local jobs, you know, use one of the most uh, regenerative or regenerative materials uh, and the fastest growing materials uh, and produce it locally and, and you know, make a difference uh, on the environment and, you know, use this material as a replacement for, for other things out there that when it's, you know, finished its life cycle, it biodegrades faster. Um, you know, let's make change happen together. And for us, you know, we want to, to hear for, from people in the PBEC community that are listening to this and, you know, anyone potentially that has a fit for uh, a collaboration, a license deal, uh, a landowner, a developer, um, you know, uh, an NGO that has a workforce that we can teach new key skills to. Uh, for us, we're all about long-term sustainable partnerships, win-win-win uh, relationships to, you know, weave Take into society. Uh, and that's why we're very excited to be, you know, pioneering this concept in Hong Kong. Uh, we're in the process of raising funds at the moment uh, through, uh, through several places that will enable me to take my vision uh, and, and take it to a global level uh, as, a, as a force for good. And essentially everyone, you know, working together. And as our, our, our chairman Andrew says, you know, this kind of pushing forward and, uh, and, and a strive, uh, striving forward as a force for good. Uh, and that exactly aligns to our, you know, business model and objectives on, you know, let's make change happen together. Um, 
and uh, make the world a better place. And, you know, also as uh, with the, the youth of today and the change makers of the future, you know, let's protect our, our environment and our ecosystem, not just for ourselves, but for, for generations to come. Thanks, Rob. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. And I would just encourage our listeners to uh, give some thought to all what Rob has been sharing. And if you want to get involved, I'm sure they will uh, at Take be able to uh, be all ears to your ideas and to your help and to your partnerships. Because as Rob has mentioned together, we're stronger for that. And we're keen to see Rob and his team succeed. So from that, thank you for joining. And we look forward to hearing from you all at, on, at our next episode. So bye-bye for now. Take care. The Value Prop Show is brought to you by PBIC, the Pacific Basin Economic Council. Your co-hosts are Miguel Aboites and Michael Walsh from PBEC. You can follow us and subscribe on our LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. Thanks for watching and listening, and see you in the next episode.